tell me how many lights you see. Yeah! Oh! Four lights! So this is how liberty dies. With thunderous applause. Game over, man. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Hertzog. Good evening. I am Miles P. McLaughlin. And I am Dave Sellers. And uh, tonight, it is just a guy's night. Chrissy is uh, spending some time at the vet, and Emma has a pottery class that we are going to try to work around in upcoming episodes. But uh, we're excited because this, for all intents and purposes, is Star Wars Week. That's what I'm going to call it. Anyways. Yes. It's Star Wars Why Week not? because we get... Obi-Wan Kenobi coming down the pike and I don't know about you but since this was announced this was the Star Wars show I was waiting for yes Boba Fett was good certainly the Mandalorian was great but when Obi-Wan was announced to see Ian McGregor back as Obi-Wan this is what I was looking forward to so we're excited about that and we have a few other things that we are going to talk about here tonight, and we'll see how our time goes. But, Miles, what are some other things we're hoping just to chat about tonight a little bit? So we'll talk about what's going on in our sci-fi world. Um, we'll, we'll delve a little bit into the future of the CW um, and its uh, and its shows. Uh, we're going to look at the Orville Season 3 trailer, and we got some news about a Stargazer comic book. And we will we'll be sharing our interview that uh, you and I uh, did with Timothy Zahn at, at Farpoint this, uh, this past year. Yeah, it was a fantastic interview with Timothy Zahn. So excited about that. And uh, so it makes sense. Star Wars. Um, I don't know that we're going to see Thrawn make any sort of appearance in um, Obi-Wan. But Thrawn is his character. And, of course, Mara Jade. So oh, we have that interview to share, too. We, 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 we talked to uh, the lady that uh, personified uh, the, the human being that uh, Mara Jade was, uh, depi- you know, depicted. So yeah. that was great. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, sounds good. Well, why don't we uh, leap into talking a little bit about what's going in on our sci-fi world? And Dave, are you interested in going first here? Yeah, sure. Mine's pretty quick and simple. Go ahead. I mean, I've been uh, loving wholeheartedly loving star trek um strange new worlds i I, i'm just in love with it so far um and uh been watching halo also paramount plus that's a great show it actually got me then thinking about the video games again last time my daughter and i had to go over to to uh nearby town here we stopped by the game store and I picked up Halo 3 again for my Xbox 360 for like four bucks. That's so awesome. I've been getting back into loving that. Um, Dave, are you caught up on Halo? Um, if I'm not, then I have the latest episode. When did the latest episode drop? Did one drop this week yet? Not this week, I don't think. Um, but uh, I think I am caught up. Okay. I think it's, I think a, I think it's uh, the finale. Was They just dropped the finale, I thought. I don't know. I thought I thought I read that somewhere, but I'd have to go back and look. I, I, I'm I'm about ninety percent sure I am caught up. All I, all I heard is that there were some people that were kind of uh, unhappy about the way it ended, but that's all. Oh, 
Well, but, maybe I'm not then. Cause no, but it was I'm a, not unhappy at all. <laughs> that, that could, the other big hubaloo was the Cortana. It was the whole Master Chief sex scene, right? But oh, then I don't think I am caught up then. But, oh, then I better not say anymore. I don't yeah, think I got that. I don't think I remember seeing that. That and Cortana watching it—that was kind of the creepy thing, I guess. But. Ah. Master Chief's got some kink. All right. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, between those two, um, yeah, I've been uh, rewatching Star Trek Enterprise also in my split times between new episodes of things coming up. Um, every time I go back and watch this show, I, I enjoy it even more. I, I, I really wish it would have gotten its fifth season. It really starts to hit its stride in season three, I think. And it's just a shame. It's one of those new age shows that kind of died early on the vine. But, you know, it's what it is. And if you're going to watch it, watch it on Paramount Plus. I think that would be the, that'd be the best way if Chrissy had it. I'm sorry, if Jen had it, she could watch it that way because there is no skip intro feature. So you're stuck. Uh, that's perfect. That perfect for her. That wonderful song every time. <laughs> it's been a long road. <laughs> I, I think Chrissy needs Going to appreciate that. Oh, yeah, I think it will. It, when she watches it enough, it'll grow. Do, 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 do. She'll be singing it at work all day long. Yeah, absolutely. It would just be this mantra. Scott, I just love that you found a country version of it. Yes, yes, it absolutely. Oh, yes. Yep. <laughs> it's been a long. Beautiful. Yeah, the best part is like she didn't recognize it at first. No, but when she did, and the light the light bulb came on, <laughs> and she's just looking at you, going, "I hate you so much." <laughs> uh, oh really my! Fun. The thing is, yeah, you, you learn you learn to hate on that song, but it is one of the more memorable Star Trek songs. It really is because everyone hates on it. Yes, yes. But anyway, but yeah, that's my that's been my sci-fi world as of late. All right, sounds good. Miles, tell me about. Oh, let me before you before we get into you, Miles. Are you reading anything, Dave? Sci-fi world. <laughs> no, I, I had started the first book in uh, in the Coda series a while ago, and haven't gotten back to it. Um, was talking to tell Miles earlier here. He was asking me if I if I had listened to any of the other Star Trek podcasts that are out there, and. I have it. I, I've got my my daily lineup of current event. We'll say current event oriented podcasts that I usually only am able to get through three a day at work anymore, or depending on the day, I should say. But my daily current event lineup kind of overrides some of that. And when I do, when I have been listening, I've gone back and we were talking. A couple of us talking at work the other day about some books, and I had a couple that non-sci-fi related ones that uh, I had listened to before that I really loved and we got talking about them and I was like, I got to go back and listen to that again because that was just so good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I'll, I'll get back to it here soon enough. Well, good. Or when Timothy Zahn comes out with another Thrawn book at some point. Absolutely. Absolutely. Me. Dave, uh, go ahead and, uh, not Dave. Miles, tell me a little bit about what's going on in your sci-fi world. So, I'm watching this much right now. There isn't a whole lot, but um, I'm, of course, enjoying and loving Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Um, it's 
some it's some it's both. It's you know something new, but something very familiar because we, we know some of these characters, we know their ship, but but with a with the visual re- reboot and really delve into these characters and what uh, um, their missions. Um, it's just cool. It's just good. It's just good to see. I'm also enjoying Halo on Paramount Plus. I got to see Doctor Strange in the Multiverse uh, last week. Uh, that that was great. I enjoyed that a lot. Um, there's uh, a good um, it, um, in one of the universes they go to. They meet up with um, some interesting people uh, from other Marvel properties. That's all I'll say. Like Fantastic um, Four. Okay. Did you see it? <laughs> I didn't see it, but I, I I heard all about it. Yeah. Okay. So they, they, they do something really cool where it, you know, with, with the whole multiverse is they meet up, you know, he meets up with, with other uh, Marvel superheroes that we didn't see in the, the MCU. Um, so that is kind of cool. See, it's yeah. very cool. Yeah. Um, also, I mean, we get to see, I mean, it, in the movies, she, she, she's a good guy, um, uh, Scarlet Witch, uh, but uh, she, she, she becomes a real baddie. But, you, but, but the genius of the writing is you still sympathize with her. Yeah, uh, but she has to be stopped. But, you know, you can't just you don't t- totally write her off either. Um, I'm enjoying Superman Lois. That's now on a hiatus and I have to wait till January, um, I think, to, for it to come back. Um, I'm a. Uh, Russian Flash and CW. I am reading a time travel novel called Past Lives, um, book one by Terry. Uh, not sure if I'm pronouncing the last name right, but uh, Terry Clodier. So that's what's going on in my sci-fi world right now. Nice. Very good. Very good. Mm-hmm. And uh, my uh, sci-fi world. Um, Strange New Worlds, obviously, that is the new show that I'm keeping up on. Um, and it's fantastic. Kiefer and I are both watching it, although he's behind one episode. I kind of lost interest in Halo. Miles, can you mute your microphone? Yeah, thank you. Um, I uh, I did. I, I kind of lost interest in Halo, and I'm not sure why. It just... Um, it didn't hold my interest in the long run. And it's kind of like moon Knight for me. Like I got through like four episodes of moon Knight, And I just, I, I just, it, for some reason it just didn't grab me. And so I wish it did. I certainly like Poe Dameron and you know, everything else, but it somehow just is not doing it for me. So, um, Moon Knight, not watching right now, and Halo might come back to it, especially since you guys are like so keen on it. But that's just kind of a, a little bit about where I'm at with that. Um, other than that, I'm watching an anime called The Violet Evergreen. Evergreen, I think it's called Violet Ever- Evergreen, which uh, is it's not a science fiction one, but it's more like there's this. It's more, so the premise of it. Is there's there's this girl that it, that that was a military weapon, and she's now trying to integrate herself back into society. Um, so she was a, ki- a legit killing machine. Um, 
But in the process, because she's been trained up in the military, like she was raised in the military, she doesn't really know how to feel things, right? So this is like the big, that's like the big thing. Like she's trying to uh, learn how to feel. So it's a little bit like slice of life, but there's a, there's a little bit of, I guess, sci-fi military bent, but it's not really science fiction. You know, it's, it's just her try. So I'm really intrigued by it. It was a student recommendation. I'm really enjoying it. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, but not my usual, not my, not the usual thing I gravitate toward, but I'm reading, I'm watching that right now. And, and then the other one that I'm what that I'm reading, I'm, I'm reading. I'm still working on the Furies of Calderon, which is a Jim Butcher series. Again, he did the Dresden Files. I'm in book three of that. Uh, again, that was a recommendation of my principal. And my son just read a book, a time travel book. I don't know if you heard about this, Miles. Oh, and I can't pull it up. Um, let me just uh, look at my Audible account here real quick, and I'll tell you here. Uh, but. It, he just he just absolutely could not could not um say anything but good stuff about this uh so let me just see what's in my library and I'll tell you which one it was because he just he just said that this was absolutely awesome and it was a, i said miles my it's called paradox bound right and the premise of it is um is this um Nothing ever changes. So here's like the publisher summary. All right. Nothing ever changes in Sanders. The town still got a video store for God's sake. So why doesn't Eli Teague want to leave? Not that he's ever admitted, but maybe he's waiting, waiting for the traveler to come back. The one who's roared into his life twice before pausing just long enough to drop tantalizing clues for disappearing in a cloud of gunfire and a squeal of tires. Um, um, but so this is kind of, but it's, it's my understanding is it's kind of a time travel type thing um, and a mystery and it like takes over, it takes over. Um, it's a chase across country, across two centuries of history. Um, so it's, it's by this guy named Peter Klein. So I've never read anything by the author, the reader. I've listened to a bunch of books by the reader. And I think the reader kind of makes a book sometimes, but so, yeah. so, but that's mine. It's, kind of science fiction ish i guess so yeah cool yeah, the reader. yeah so i don't know so it's called again it's called paradox but i've not read it my son read it and absolutely loved it so yeah the reader definitely makes a difference with all yeah. books they can really make it or break it yeah yeah so yeah, so uh, that's it for me in my sci-fi world. So, awesome. Cool. All right, so uh, where does it leave us? Where are we going next, Miles? So next would be um, the, the CW's uh, sale. Okay, so I have heard nothing about this. Give us a synopsis of what's going on with this CW sale here. Well, with the sale of the CW, it's going to it, it's going to impact a lot of the superhero shows. Um, a lot of them just get canceled. Um, Batwoman, Charms, Dynasty, In the Dark, Legacies, Legends of Tomorrow, and Roswell. Um, also. Um, 
what's not not coming back is the forty four hundred and uh, Naomi. Um, so that that's that's the big deal is that um, they're they're not going to keep a lot of these superhero shows. They'll keep Superman and Star Girl and this new one uh, Gotham Knights. Um, that that that's hasn't premiered yet. Um, but uh, the CW was was also you know it, in the works of producing a Babylon Five reboot. Um, but uh, so that that's that that's that's the big thing is just that a lot a lot of shows that have been there for a long while are you know not coming back. So it sounds like just from the little I understand this article that this is business as usual was no longer cutting it. So all these neat little shows that really, when you looked at their numbers, didn't really like hold up to maybe other numbers and different other, other networks that they're finally saying, you know what? We can't keep doing this. Is that kind of your interpretation of it? That's what I get. I mean, these, these shows, a lot of them are very expensive to produce. I mean, science fiction, lots of visual effects, you know, and lots, you know, just, they're just more expensive to produce. And so I can see, you know, if, if, if they're not getting the, you know, the viewership, then it's time to, you know, either fish or cut bait and, you know, uh, they're going to cut bait. Huh. Yeah. They're going to keep the ones that are working for them right now. I think flat flash is winding down though. I, I think it's only got like another season or two before it's eventually going to wind, wind down. There's there, there's talk of basically the Arrowverse basically being done away with, with the mm. exception of Superman and Lois, which has to, taken a totally different direction than than a lot of the, the CW shows and, and the Arrowverse. It's, I mean, it's and, and in a good way too. I mean, it's um, you know pe- people are like saying, you know, when we have a crossover, well, we don't, you know, other people like me are saying. It doesn't need a crossover. The show is strong on its own. Um, but uh, it sounds like from the article, though, that they're also saying that this is going to, they're, the, what they are doing, they're hoping to tie more into the DC films. Was that kind of your impression of it, too, that there was a little bit more tie in they're trying to do? I forget what I read in here that came to indicate. Uh, they're going to be interconnected with DC's feature side in HBO Max originals like Titans. So, uh, you know, I guess, I mean, yeah, I mean, that they're going to try a similar approach to Marvel that whatever is on TV is connected to something that's also in, in the, in the MCU. So that's something they haven't done. For, I mean, it, it you know, CW's been making these DC superhero shows for for several years now, and oh yeah, but they've been, its own, they, they've been a separate entity from from anything in the movies. You know, the one show that you mentioned, DC's Naomi. I don't know anything about that. I I, I don't know much about it either, except it's a African American girl. She gets these powers, um, but it that that's that's all I know about it. Right. Yeah. Dave, any thoughts on this? Well, it, it, it's hard to. I can see where they'd be having problems. 
I mean, the stuff on CW, I, I don't watch much of it at all. And, and really, I don't watch anything really other than movies from DC. And I think part of that is because th- there, there is no connectivity between kind of like you're, we got used to with the MCU where we had all the movies and now they're putting connected TV shows out on Disney plus and all this stuff. I, I think that they're also, I mean, it, they're probably held back a lot because they're on network television and there are a lot of restrictions compared to a streaming service that they could probably butt up against. But I mean, they're, they're I'm not going to say they're not popular. I mean, they certainly, certainly have that. But I think if them kind of just thinning down their lineup a little bit and focus, taking their all their all their resources instead of going eighteen different directions and focusing down on a, on three or four and really putting into that, I think it's it's going to help them grow in the long run. Right. I mean, we'll see whoever whoever buys them. I mean, we'll see what they what they decide. Yeah, I guess they're looking at selling CW, so they're trying to make. I guess by canceling it, then they, whoever buys them, doesn't have to carry all those shows over. Yeah, yeah. So, make it look more attractive on the yeah, sale. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, very good. And I think, kind of rebooting the D, the T, DC TV universe is probably a good thing in the long run. The the the, the CW shows kind of been very formulaic, and I don't know. Um. I don't, I, the, the, I don't know if the quality has been there. So, is it? Is, you know, there, there was an article I read about should the Arrowverse die, and you know, and I, on Facebook a while ago, and I said, well, maybe it should. I mean, um, and so maybe maybe a reboot of some kind is a good idea. But keep Superman Lois is still good. I, I, I was watching uh, Star Girl, but I, I lost interest in that one. But um, yeah. but anything else? Maybe maybe it's time to start afresh. Yeah, and, and maybe have somebody overseeing all of this, like a I don't know, like a John Favreau or Kevin Feige type, who's gonna give you a a, a overarching vision of, of where things ought to go to be able to bring everything together. Someone who's, who's going to run that franchise, you know that, that that seems to be that seems to be what's what's kept Marvel going for a long time. And now that we're in this next phase, in that who knows where it's going to go? I mean, Moon Knight seems to be a flop with a lot of people, from what I've read. I've never even started the show based on some of the reviews. It, it's I've funny. Read. It's it's funny that Moon Knight was interesting because I I told my students like. Man, I just I can, cannot do the show, and they were outraged that I was not into the show. And I was like, "What do you mean?" And they're like, "Oh, it's so good! You got to give it. You got to go past the fourth episode." Da, da, da. And like they were trying to convince me. So I know that there are people that are passionate out there. I just, I just, re- I really struggled to connect with it, and yeah, right. And, and again, it, it's it's a different audience than us aging folks, you know, uh, who knows? Speak for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dad. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you throw me a Babylon five reboot, especially if uh, JMS is involved in the thing. Yeah. Oh, 
I, I will turn on CW at least one night a week for that. Yeah. I'd be interested in checking that out. So, Oh yeah. But, well, why don't we, It'll be interesting to see. yeah. Well, why don't we shift over to Orville's season three trailer? Did you watch this Dave? God, finally it's coming after so stinking long. Seth, what are you doing? A traveler comes upon the statue of an emperor inscribed with the words, my name is Ozymandias, king of kings. Look upon my works and despair. Only there's nothing left beside it except empty desert. It is good to be back. I really wish they'd let us play music up here. Why? Because we'd already be on our feet, ready for action. We have considered your request for passage through our territory, and we will not stop you. But do not expect us to save you. Kalon ship pursuing. Exploration always carries risk. I say we risk it. Everything forbidden is sweet. This is a good day. It is a good day. You do know where you're going, right? Nope. Oh, boy. Let's go make some history. I didn't prepare anything. Just speak from your heart. We're about to enter unexplored space. I know you're all just as excited as I am, so let's give this everything we got, and may the force be with you. How was that? Perfect. We've served together, we've laughed together, and we all owe each other our lives. You will surrender or you will die. Gordon, on it! That's a very special thing. We should all get big bonuses. This is history in the making. Here's to a better future. I will be sure to bring my, what does Lieutenant Malloy call it? My A-game. There you go, buddy. We have to find a way to preserve some kind of peace. Humans have a tendency to reduce things to black and white, good and evil. We can find a way to coexist. You're a Kalon. Your people would like to see us all dead. After all these years, you're still able to surprise me. Show the galaxy that humans are different, that we value life even when our enemies don't. Captain, you are being deceived. It's almost like yesterday was one life. And today's another. Everything's different on this side of time. Definitely worth the wait. It's been, we've been waiting. Waiting. So tell us. I can only watch the first two seasons so many times. (laughs) Yeah. So um, this is coming out actually in just like two weeks. Yes. So U.S. air date coming out June second, twenty twenty two. So let's let's talk about this trailer. So uh, we all watched it, Dave. I know you watched it like twenty times already. Uh, what are your thoughts? What are your hopes? What are your expectations for Orville: New Horizons? It looks like it's going to be kind of a war drama in a way. I mean, with the whole uh, escalation of the conflict with the with the, with the Kralon. Um, I, I, I've seen it, not in this trailer, but in other trailers, I mean, like the Orville is getting these fighters put on the ship. So it looks like it's going to take a more of a 
militaristic feel. I'm not saying it's good or bad. I don't care as long as it's good. But um, maybe a little darker uh, tone to it because I mean they're they're dealing with an enemy that is is very hard to beat. I mean, um, and that they have a very fragile alliance with the um, I, I um, the Kraylon were the people that helped um, the Union defeat the. the uh, it's been so long since I've seen a show. I'm forgetting who, who who's who, but uh, um, the K-Line the, of the robot guys, the robot guys, or yeah. you know, the robot guys are the aggressors, and, and they're very hard to, you know, they almost lost. Um, so that looks like it's going to be that's going to be be a heavy uh, story element. Yeah, and, and speaking of the dark look, like I've got the trailer playing here off on the side right now as we speak, but even. The just in the trailer, the lighting, the uni- the uniforms are slightly different. There's a lot more black in the uniform itself, I think. So the the dark, the darkest of the season seems to also transfer visually in, in into all that, which is great. I'm seeing several new characters that I think are coming along this season. It, it's it, it it's it's going to be good. I mean. It, if he could take it in, in, in that more wartime thing, but keeping keeping the funny in it, keeping it the Orville, I, I think it, it is going to be terrific. I mean, even if it's just even if it's just par with the last two seasons, I, I would be thrilled with. I, this is this excites me about as much as Obi Wan this coming this coming back. Finally, yeah. When it's on it's on Hulu, right? So Hulu, yeah, in particular. Reason to at least keep my Hulu subscription for a little while yet. Yeah, yeah I, Dave, I didn't pick up the uniforms, but you're right. I, I just looked just just for a few seconds of footage, and yeah, they're, they they are slightly altered. There is more black in those uniforms, so they look, you know, a little more militaristic. I think. Yeah, it, it to me it's it's reminiscent when in the season change in Deep Space Nine when you started getting heavier into the war story. And then all of a sudden everybody's wearing the, the next gen movie, the later next gen movie uniforms with the gray tops. And the only real color between them is the undershirt, you know, signifying their their branch or division. It, it, it feels a little bit more like that kind of a subtle change, but very much more militaristic. Like you said, it, it, it's, it's going to be interesting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Isaac's back on the Orville after everything he did, you know, and how the crew's going to respond to having a Kalon. And thank God you talked first with this because in my head I was calling them the Cylons. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, between, between them and then looks like they're trying to make peace with the Krill. The kind of the Krill. Okay, so the Krill. The yeah. Krill are the aliens that they have a fragile alliance with. Yeah. That's right. Okay, now okay, it's coming back to me now. Uh, they have Ted Dan- Ted Danson's going to be on the show. Oh, he was in the first two seasons. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it, it's that should be good. Some good cameos. Yeah. So, can I tell you that the trailer, the thing that wigged me out, is they open with one of my favorite poems of all time. You maybe you didn't even know it was a poem. 
But Ozzy Mandias by Pierce by Shelley. This is great. You know, I met a traveler from an antique land um, who said, My name is Ozzy Mandias, King of Kings. Look upon my work, she mighty and despair. But it's just a fantastic poem. And uh, I'm glad they're starting out with that. It's good. In the, in the trailer. So. Add some class. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Gets my little English teacher heart beating fast. Right <laughs> Very exciting. No, Very yeah. exciting. June 2nd. June 2nd. Cannot come quick enough. So we get. Oh, OB- no, for more reasons than just Orville. <laughs> I know. Well, yeah. Yes. Okay. So we get Obi Wan this week, Orville, and I'm done with school next week. And, and then whatever. Um, but yeah. So there's a lot of reasons. Um, but I'm excited about this. So. Yeah, so very good, very good. Well, let's move on to our next thing, which is, uh, this is actually ties in, well, I guess not to what we're talking about here, but um, talk about real quickly the Stargazer comic miniseries kind of bridging the season two and season three of Picard. So while we wait for season three, uh, we will at least get uh, some story in the comic book. Uh, IGW has announced in August of 2022 a new comic book series that will with three uh, Trek titles for the month. This includes a launch of a new Stargazer mini series set between the seasons two and three of Star Trek Picard. And the series is being uh, co-written by Picard co-creator and co-executive producer, Kirsten Beyer. August we interviewed. Four, which, we, yes, we have. And I've, I've met at, at shore leave several times. Uh, August will also see the final entry in the mirror war series, another entry in the alien spotlight series. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm still reading and enjoying Star Trek comic books, and uh, you know, I'm you know looking forward to it. The, the Stargazer comic book, as always, these comics kind of fill in the gaps, but don't aren't necessarily essential to go from season two to season three. Yeah, but, like I know right. the uh, ones they had before the first season of Picard. That little mini series was really cool because you actually got to get the backstory between Picard and Laris and whatever her husband's name was. I can't remember it right now, but showing how they come together. And I mean, it, it really fit that because, you know, to see the, the, the role Laris played moving forward here too, gave a lot, a lot more depth to, to that backstory, which was, which was great. And yeah, I didn't know they were doing this. So I guess I'll be having to go to the comic store here this summer. Yeah. Yeah. Like you need an excuse, Dave. Come on. I haven't been to the comic shop here in a long time. Yeah. Like pre-COVID long time. Yeah. Give me a reason to go back. Yeah, there you go. So uh, real quickly, before we head into introducing our interview, let's talk about what we're hoping Obi-Wan delivers for us. Let's do a quick. So we have Obi-Wan. We talked about Obi-Wan dropping this week. What is... What are our hopes? What are our maybe app? I want to say fears, maybe the things that we're a little bit apprehensive about. And uh, why don't we just do this round table this and let's start with the things that we're hoping for first, and then we'll talk about apprehension. So miles, what are you hoping this series delivers to us? I'm uh, looking forward to what Obi-Wan has to do to protect Luke um, he's not just obviously he's not going to just be sitting in the desert watching from a distance. He, he's going to be very active 
And so uh, we have, we've seen characters from the animated series that are going to be part of this show. So that's what, that's something I'll be interested in. What, what kind of, what kind of battles Obi-Wan's going to have to face to try to keep Luke safe and keep his existence a secret, uh, from Vader and the emperor. Um, but, uh, I don't necessarily have any, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that, 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 that this, this will be good. Uh, good. The, the other Star Wars shows didn't let me down. I'm, I'm not worried. This one will let me down either. All right, Dave, how about you? What are, what, what's some, what are some things that you're really looking forward to? Um, really echoing a lot of what Miles said, you know, what have you done all these years? What, what have you been, what have you been up to? What threat is looming? And really just giving this universe, filling in gaps and, 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 and really just adding to the volume of this. Right. You know, until obviously, until recently, we've had six movies and then nine telling this tale. And when you took all the books away and said they're all legend stories, well, now you got to refill in everything that they've put in. And so far, they've been doing a magnificent job of, of adding to that, adding to that universe. I, I am really just looking forward to that, and and seeing. Really seeing if Obi-Wan and Vader confront each other before New Hope. And to see if, or to see how, actually, the, you know, the questions get answered there when, he, when, when Obi-Wan's ghost is talking to Luke and, and telling him that Vader is his father. Well, the last we saw him, and, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but the last though Anakin and Obi-Wan saw each other, Obi-Wan was still fighting Anakin as Anakin. He knew he had turned the dark side, but the, the, the name Vader, I don't think, ever crossed into Obi-Wan's knowledge. Oh, so what you're saying, asking is, does how, how soon does Kenobi figure out that Vader and Anakin are one the same. Yes, yes, and because you saw in the cartoon with with uh, in the, was that was that Rebels? Yeah, Rebels. When Ahsoka faced off against Vader, she had an inkling. She had a feel. Whether I don't know if she fully knew or not, I can't really remember. But she had the feeling that she knew this guy she was fighting. And I'm waiting to see when the connections made there because. When he goes and battles him on the Death Star in A New Hope, he clearly know no he clearly knows who Vader is. Right. And that that is gonna be a that's gonna be a big emotional point right there. That will be. That will be. Yeah. That, that's that, that's what I'm really looking forward to. That should be a cool reveal when oh, yeah. uh, when Kenobi realizes that it's Anakin. Yeah. You and know, just to see how much he plays a role in this series because we know Hayden Christensen's coming back to play him, right? So, is this going to be we're going to see him throughout and he's going to be a essential character in this story, or is he going to come in in episode 10 in the finale and that's all we're going to see of him? 
you know, I really hope not, but right. You never know. Disney, right. So who knows? right. You know, I, I'm looking at this and, you know, one of the things I am looking forward to is to see a confrontation between those two again. Um, and it's funny because, you know, I remember when these movies came out, the, the prequel trilogy came out, right? And everyone dogged and hated Christensen and his acting. And it was, and obviously it wasn't just his acting, it was also scripting that was an issue uh, for him. But in the subsequent years, as we've distanced ourselves from the prequels, I think there's been more of an acceptance. I don't know if acceptance is, or maybe the young, maybe the kids grew up and now are adults, the kids that love these movies growing, growing up. And there's not the, there's a sense that these movies themselves have gained kind of a nostalgia. And um, despite on how poorly we might've viewed Hayden Christensen, either carrying out the role of Vader or how it was scripted, um, seeing him back as Vader is pretty awesome. Um, and I don't know how to, how to say it. So I'm, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. You know, I've seen, I've seen, I was watching some of the behind the scenes footage where they were like, you know, they were showing like Hayden Christensen and Ian McGregor, like practicing lightsaber dueling. And I was like, that. I mean, that was so cool. Right. Um, so I'm pretty ecstatic about it. I think from that end, um, yeah. And it's also a good part too. Like unlike Star Trek where we have what multiple different versions of Captain Kirk. Right. And, and, and you know, which one do you want? We have one Anakin Skywalker. In this. Right. And Christensen is Anakin Skywalker. And to see him reprise the role again, you're, you're right that there's a bit of nostalgia to it. But it's just it, it's just familiar and it feels good. It's not something new and quirky that we got to worry about. Oh, how's this guy going to ruin this role? Right. We we know it. You know, you yeah. think you th- you think about the Star Wars shows that are coming out. They are built around nostalgia, right? Mm-hmm. Boba Fett is nostalgia. Sure, you arguably you could say that the Mandalorian was not nostalgia but the moment you brought baby yoda in the reason baby yoda you know was it was cute but it's the only it's it, it looks like yoda right i mean even the term baby yoda indicates that right um and then and then you bring luke in and you bring ahsoka in and like you're dealing with a nostalgia factor that are that, that you're just that you're just you're just loving and so um it is one of the things you're seeing these characters that we love, you know, you know, it was, it was, uh, even though obviously the sequels to the original trilogy were not the best, especially when you got into like the last one, the thing that even made those, you know, seeing, you know, Leia back in form, seeing Luke in, in those and seeing Harrison Ford. I mean, these are the things that kind of drew us into these movies and, if there's any redemptive part, it's maybe those, right? Or even seeing the emperor back. Okay, great. You might have disagreed with the way they brought him back, but these are the things we loved about these. So, yeah, and and, and really, it's it's been, and it's kind of my contention with a lot of the new Star Trek stuff, except for Strange New Worlds, where you've brought these things back, 
And, and yes, and, and we could call it nostalgia, but also it, it's a connectivity. Yes. It's a connection for the viewer who, who has grown up, who has seen this stuff, where you can tell new stories. You, you can go an entirely new direction, but you're bringing back those elements that connect it all together. Right. And that, to me, that is just what just brings me to it. It's one of the reasons why I probably one of the, it really, it's probably the reason why I don't like Discovery as much as I do. It's yeah, because there's makes nothing sense. there connecting me except for the franchise name. You know, I wonder, Dave and Miles, maybe you can chime in here, but, you know, I really wish Jen was here on the show with us because I think, <laughs> I think one of the things that might be at work here in the most recent years is our world has become increasingly fractured and there seems to be a lot of destabilization in the world. And when, when shows like this drop, they harken back to a time in our lives when things maybe felt simpler to us. And yes, the stories have evolved and become more complex, but these Picard is going to act like Picard, right? To greater or lesser extent, Han Solo is going to act like Han Solo. Luke Skywalker is going to be Luke Skywalker and Obi-Wan will carry out. Obi. So like we, we, there's a sense where, these characters are familiar and maybe ground us in a psychological way. Maybe, you know, that the world doesn't because everything's kind of thrown out and so uncertain. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but it's a stabilizing factor, you know, and, and especially like when we look at this stuff, like we're about to talk about what we fear the most about this, what we're going to be most apprehensive about in the next, probably the next bout here. But this kind of stuff keeps us wanting to see it because without it, if you're giving me something brand new with just the title and the moniker, okay, okay, great. But if you don't have anything to connect me with it, that's going to keep that, that stable, familiar feeling. I'm not, I'm going to be less interested and I'm going to be actually probably more harsh on it. I mean, it's the more, the more we talk about, the more I think about it. It's probably the reason why I'm not as hard on the, the new Star Wars movies as I am the, the the three latest Star Trek movies is while the characters are familiar, the actors are different, they're played completely different for the most part and, and there, there's not that familiar trend trend or for lack of a better term I guess that that holds me and keeps you grounded to it. So yeah you're, you're I think you're absolutely right with that. Miles, your thoughts on my diatribe? <laughs> um, I, I, there, there, there's definitely going to be, yes, I, this is going back to something we loved before, and they're continuing the story. There's something very comforting about that and also exciting about that because these stories we love and these characters we love, we get to see them come back and... Um, keep telling the story um you know and, and then uh, as i was listening to it, i was thinking um we haven't had it have we haven't come with anything original in a while i mean we're still i mean i love star wars i love star trek i love the dc universe i love the marvel universe but um there hasn't been much new stuff i don't know that to really capture imagination 
Yeah. I, I can see that. I don't know, but there yeah. is something. It's not that there aren't new shows out there like Halo, right? But even Halo arguably is building on a a sense of nostalgia, right? Mm-hmm. As far as we don't have this original content. So um, I don't know why. Don't know why we don't have uh, maybe more original shows that are grabbing us. I don't. I think there are some that are attempted. I think, and, just, and, and, yeah. I think sci-fi is kind of hard to do that way. I mean, you, you would you would think in in a realm there where you could make anything possible that it would be simple enough to come up with a story and characters and do anything you wanted with it. But to get that, to get that kind of attention, like Star Trek and Star Wars, both those franchises have had the, the, the following. It's taken years and years to build the, the popularity and the, and the following it has. And I think anymore, we don't have the attention span for that. I mean, you look at a lot of the new, the new science fiction shows they put out here. I mean, they, they'll average what? two, three seasons at most. I mean, even The Expanse, which to me was probably arguably one of the better new sci-fi shows that came out on to, to watch, that only lasted, what, three seasons? For which one? The Expanse. No, no, The Expanse was six seasons. That was six seasons. Okay, yeah. then I stand corrected with that then. Shows you how much of that I watched. But <laughs> That's the exception. Yeah, there's always going to be there's always an exception, but I mean, even some of the other ones who 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 came off with a big flash that looked real good don't have the longevity because really we don't have the attention span, and we'd rather glob on to a franchise that is established because you can put the most money behind it, you can put the biggest names behind it, not only on the screen but behind the scenes as well. And really make something quality and just good. I, I don't know. That's just my opinion. So as I'm complaining about no, very little original sci-fi, um, you know, there, there, there's been talk for years about bringing Stargate back, and I'm still, and I get excited when I hear that because I love Stargate. So um, uh, I'm, I'm a, I'll. I confess some hypocrisy there that, uh, you know, I, I want something new, but at the same time, I, I still enjoy continuing the, the, the older classical stuff that we still love and enjoy. Yeah. And Stargate Universe did, I don't, again, that's another one that I, I don't think ever got a real fair shake. I mean, you had, what, two seasons? To even try to, to, try to work that out. And you could have gone so many different places with that. Depending on what time the networks put it on TV, if they pull a fox and just start bouncing it around the lineup all the time and no one knows when it's going to be on, you, know, you, you ruin a lot of good stuff that way, too. Got Networks just don't have the, the, the ability or desire to want to give this kind of stuff a chance to really let it grow and catch on and, and become its own thing. And it, it's a bit of a shame. With so many options out there, you know, they got to keep the lights on somehow, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. 
which brings me to my biggest fear. Okay, what is your biggest fear? Let's let's talk about that next. That all this stuff we talked about, everything we're looking forward to, that you know, it's that familiarity, it's that trend, it's these characters we know and love, that they're just going to downright screw it up. I, I don't fear they're going to screw it up in a J.J. Abrams type of way, but screw it up to me to the point where we're going to have a 10, 12 episode season. If that, I don't know how long this thing's supposed to go, but you're going to have episodes one and two that are coming to come out you know, this week with a pop. And then we're going to have four or five that are just nothing. And then the last episode is going to be a big flash at the end again. I mean, keep, keep the story moving, keep things rolling along. You know, if you've got so many episodes to tell a tale, tell it. I, I don't need four episodes of just boring buildup to something else. Is Kenobi supposed to run? I mean, it's six, it's, than- it's, it's six episodes. It's a special thing. It's not meant to go beyond that. Okay. okay. So now, then, then we all, should be- all that being said, that if it makes buku bucks for Disney, money talks, right? Well, yeah, money talks, but then again, so does so does storylines and no, no, I and, agree. And things that are there too. Is I mean, I don't know how far you can go with this. I mean, there is quite a bit of years between Luke being dropped off as a baby until he's older and decides to get involved in things. You know, you could do a lot with it, but my biggest fear is that they'll, they they won't give it the due justice that all of us want to see. Right. That's my biggest fear. Yeah. Miles, how about you? I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm not. No fears at all. I'm not afraid they're going to screw it up. I mean. I mean, six episodes, it's going to, I don't think that's going to give them room for filler. I, I, I mean, it, probably the pacing will probably be good. Uh, it won't drag if you only have six episodes. So I, I, I'm not worried. I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, it should it should fire in all cylinders. Like Star, the Star Wars, the last couple TV shows have not let me down. So yeah. Um, I'm not worried this is going to let me down either. Yeah. I yeah. I'm excited so, to be next week. I'm, um, I, my biggest fear initially when I first heard about the show, it's changed since I saw the trailer, but my biggest fear was this is all going to take place in Tatooine. And it's clear from the trailer that this is not going to all take place in Tatooine. So. So, uh, but I, so I don't know what my biggest fear is. Um, my biggest fear is that they will bring George Lucas in to script an episode. That's my biggest fear. <laughs> um, so, but. all of a sudden, Jar Jar Binks comes around the corner. Well, I'm kind of hoping uh, he makes an appearance. I think that'd be kind of funny. Well, now you say it, I, I do. Uh, uh, that does scare me. <laughs> yep. It just gets. Like, like he's gym. walking around and he sees, hey, look, it's Obi-Wan. He blows Obi-Wan's cover. You know, he does something really stupid like that. Like, that's totally oh, a Jar Jar movie. I'm so happy to see you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. 
All right. Well, very good. Well, let's uh, since we're talking Star Wars, let's move into uh, one of our favorite writers of all time in the Star Wars universe. It has to be Timothy Zahn. Um, yes, I uh, I'm looking at the three books, hardbound books. I first editions that I purchased from him of the newest trilogy put out was our favorite character of Thrawn. Um, and we, of course, are so excited because we're getting Thrawn in the Ahsoka series. It's going to be coming down the pike. Um, but, uh, Dave, I know that this is a series that has been near and dear to your heart. Yes. Have you gotten to read these three new books yet, Scott? So, well, I read, two, I read the first one. And I haven't read I, – I mean, I don't read – I don't sit down and read physical books like I listen to them most of the time. So. Right, right. That's how I pick mine. So they're, they're, they're pretty – they look pretty on my shelf, but. So the ones on mine too. Yeah, it's, it's gorgeous stuff. Right. But yeah, uh, it's. Uh, I, I, I'm. I'm sad. I missed this interview. Being part of this one, I was a part of the one a couple years back with him, and I, he he was. I think he was my first interview with this program, wasn't he? He might have been. Um, I can't remember if it was him or Nana Visitor, but uh, one of the two. One of the two. But. So I mean that that was a that was a starstruck day for me. And sitting down talking to him, I, I'm pretty sure I was just Was that also the year with the Akutas or was that a different year? No, that was another year after that was a yeah, that was a whole other short leave. Yeah, yeah, that was a short leave. So let me tell let me ask you this. This is our third time sitting with Timothy Zahn, right, Miles? Yeah. Let's yeah. say it was our third time. But it's always great to catch up. And of course, as always says, I don't know anything about Thrawn. Um, which is, I think, true to some degree because as a writer, he's no, he's not really involved with the TV franchise, except when they ask him to write another novel series. So, well, the first time we interviewed him, um, this was—I don't think he knew at the time that he would be continue on with with Thrawn. I mean, we're, we're talking several, you know, over ten years ago that. Um, we interviewed him the first time and then subsequently over the last five years or so, they, they have, uh, you know, they have utilized throwing the animated series and wanted him to write more books. And so a lot has changed the last 10 years for him as far as his relationship with star Wars. Awesome. Yeah. Anyway, so it was really good to, we interviewed him, I think Friday at the beginning, very beginning of the con, there wasn't a lot of people there and it was just good to uh, sit down and chat with him and uh, talk to him a little bit. It was a lot of fun. Farport 2022, and we're hanging out with a Hugo Award winner, Mr. Timothy Zahn, probably best known for his prolific work writing Star Wars novels and helping it keep it alive after a long hiatus uh, of live action movies. Mr. Zahn continues to write for Star Wars novels 
and his original work, the Dragonback series, is also worth checking out. Mr. Zahn, welcome and thank you for taking time to talk with us on the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. No problem. Thanks for having me. It's great. We had a chance actually a few years ago to chat with you, and this is all be way before uh, the new Thrawn series mm -hmm. was coming out. And so we were really excited to see you continue to play within the Thrawn universe. Thrawn is a fun character. The Star Wars universe has all sorts of possibilities for new stuff. It's, it's always fun to play in Georgia's sandbox. <laughs> I was going to say the thing that excited me the most was when they dropped the hint in the <laughs> yes. Mandalorian that Thrawn was around. Yeah. in the live-action universe, because we'd seen him in the animated, but right. never in the live-action, so we, of course, can't confirm that. that he's gonna, but, but well, you don't drop a name like Thrawn's <laughs> without having a follow-up ready. Right, right, Just right. kidding, fans. No, that's no. not going to play. <laughs> that, no. does, that does not work. That's Tony cool knows joke. better than that. Right. <laughs> now, all that being said, your, your hand has really been involved in the novels. Yes. Uh, when they bring stuff like into the anime, into the animated series, or into like whatever comes down the road in the live action, how much involvement are you in those sorts of things? Pretty much zero from from everybody else's point of view. Now I was involved peripherally with Star Wars Rebels, but only because they wanted me to do the prequel book Thrawn, and I needed to know what was happening with him in that in the rebels era so i could s set things up put um preliminaries you know start guiding things towards where they were going right so for example you have um thrawn in rebels meets with tarkin and governor price and uh, uh, colonel yularen but in the series i noticed they, they were feeding me scripts ahead of time so i, I would know this in none of those scripts did these feel like a first meeting between them. Okay, if this is not Thrawn's first meeting with you, Lauren, that must have happened earlier. I can put that meeting in right. my book. Good. Uh, so I was, I was using their scripts to tie as much from the book into uh, Rebels as I could. You, you want to make the history feel seamless and like it's a real history. Right. So I was involved in the sense that they gave me the scripts ahead of time, uh, but I was not. They did not consult with me on anything. Um, uh, Filoni understands Thrawn. He grew up, the, the Thrawn trilogy and a lot of the other uh, Legends books were part of his Star Wars experience. So he was immersed in that, and now that he's in charge of uh, so much of the TV and such, such, he understands how that all works, how that fits together, how characters like Thrawn function, uh, and can then get the crew together, the writers and everybody, to bring that into uh, something that's, that's exciting for that medium, but also is consistent with what's been done in other media like books and such. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Do you have, a, you have some questions? Yeah, so, I mean, I'm afraid it's going to be thrown heavy, but he's a beloved character, so that's sure. okay. Um, what, he is one of the best loved characters in Star Wars that we have yet to see on, in, in live yes. action. Yet. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, can we go back to the beginning? What was the inspiration uh, that you drew from to, to, to create him and, and give life to him? When I was first offered the Thrawn trilogy, one of my goals was to do something that felt like Star Wars but was not what George had already done. That means no Death Star, no super weapon, no Vader type, no Emperor type. Okay, what can your villain be? 
I've always felt that a more dangerous villain than even Palpatine or Vader is someone who can lead by loyalty, not fear or being manipulated. They are loyal to this person uh, because they will fight for him whether he's in the room with them or not. So backtrack from there, what kind of person will the truth be loyal to? Tactical strategic genius, they know they're likely to win whatever battle they're put into. Doesn't get emotionally or ego involved in things to where he's wasting troops in a lost cause. You see you're losing, get everybody out, pick another time and place. Uh, no ego in taking suggestions from subordinates. A uh, lot, of, lot of top leaders don't want to do that. Thrawn would be different. A uh, bunch of things like that, and then since there didn't seem to be many non-humans in the Empire's upper, upper echelons, make him a non-human, because if he is given the, the rank of Grand Admiral, he must be extra special. So that's, that's basically where Thrawn came from. That lead by loyalty. Lead by someone we trust. And those, those things carried over in the new series. Then. Yes. So much of that framework, because I've read through them, especially some of the early ones here, um, you see that same inspire by loyalty. Yeah. Such a crucial thing. And I think what I liked about the new series, or not not the newest, but the, the series Imperial that came series, out, yeah. Yeah, that, that Thrawn was not necessarily good or bad, yeah. depending on your point of view, right? He was very ambivalent. He wasn't like, he was on. He was doing. He was working for the empire, but wasn't necessarily. His sole goal in life, and you you get that explicitly in the the Lesser Evil, the last book of Thrawn Ascendancy, is his goal in life is to protect the Chiss Ascendancy and the Chiss people. Every other decision flows from that. Okay, we've got a new republic rising up. The empire has been squashed back, but. I, Thrawn, saw the chaos of the Clone Wars and what, what the Republic started or fell into. I need a strong military force here for when the enemies of the Chiss gather their strength and come in. I need a strong military. I don't trust the New Republic not to dissolve into chaos. The Empire, the remnant of it, has the structure, has the beginnings of the, the military I'm going to need. I will side with that. You, you run that back to, I'm protecting my people, and right. everything else fits with all the stuff I've done, pre-rebels, post-rebels, that's still Thrawn. As long as it, that's the core of who he yes, is. Yes, that's the core, and that's what everything he does is based on. Very good. Very good. I'm curious, uh, when you first saw Thrawn brought to life in the animated series, did, did they, were, were you satisfied? Um, with what, what, what they did in bringing him to life. Yeah, they did a good job. As I said, Filoni understands him. He got the right writers who could understand him. He understood how he thinks, how he behaves, his tactical skills, and importantly, how to defeat him. Because you can't have him winning every time because the New Republic or the, the, is doomed. Right. Uh, you defeat him by throwing something at him he can't control or can't anticipate. You give him full control, full information, he will always win. Maybe not a particular battle, but he will win the war. So you beat him by throwing something he doesn't, doesn't control. Uh, and both times of the defeat at the end of season three and the end of season four of Rebels, that's exactly what Filoni put in. That's, that's how you uh, take him out. 
Um, I, I kind of stopped reading Star Wars novels after the, the prequels came out. Mm -hmm. But the, the Thrawn series does intrigue me, because I enjoyed the books before the prequels mm -hmm. came Thanks. out. What we, what, for me to come back into it, what, what's the first book I should probably get my hands on? You can start, the, the second two trilogies meld together, but they're written in reverse order. Thrawn, Thrawn Alliances, Thrawn Treason start about a week before, or, uh, sorry, Thrawn starts shortly after the Clone Wars when, when he's first brought into the Empire and starts rising through the ranks. That book ends about a week before season three of Rebels. Mm -hmm. So, for example, when he's introduced in Rebels, they mention he's made a Grand Admiral because of the Battle of Bataan, where someone comments a lot of civilian casualties. The book Thrawn ends about a week before, ends with the Battle of Bataan. So you see what actually happened in that battle and why there were so ca so many casualties. Uh, then Thrawn alliances, Thrawn treason are interwoven into gaps in his appearances in Rebels and ends just before the finale where he, he winds up disappearing out someplace with uh, Ezra right. Bridger. Okay, so now I've done him after... Return of the Jedi, five years after the original trilogy. I've taken him up to the end of Rebels, and now we're stuck because for the last few years, ever since the end of Rebels, Thrawn and Ezra have been locked in Dave Filoni's basement because he hasn't known what he wants to do with the characters, and uh, until he figures that out, I can't write more books. Right. I'm sure it's a very comfortable basement. Right. <laughs> and I'm, spacious, I'm absolutely right. certain they've got Disney Plus there. Right, right, right. But, right. you know... You can't stay in there forever, though. <laughs> right, right. So what we did was, let's go back in time to Thrawn's early days in the Chiss Ascendancy, dealing with threats to his people. So we have Chaos Rising, Greater Good and Lesser Evil, Lesser Evil ends just before Thrawn, with him leaving the Ascendancy just before the book Thrawn, him entering the Empire. So they, they actually form a, a, a complete six-book set. So you could either start with Thrawn if you like him, if you like the Empire and the classic Star Wars. If you want to follow Thrawn's career, you could start with Chaos Rising. Either book is legit. Uh, if you want to go back with the beloved characters, you go back to Heir to the Empire and you get on Luke, Leia, and all the, the, right, the movie right. characters. So there are uh, at least three entry points into exactly. my Thrawn books, all of which work. Mm -hmm. All of which work for you. Very good. Now, Thrawn's not the only... We, we focus a lot on Thrawn here, mm -hmm. but it's not the only thing that you've written. Correct. Uh, Miles mentioned another series... Um, Dragonback. Dragonback. Yeah. And this is a series, are you still writing in that series? No, uh, that book, that series is done. There are six, six books in that series. Uh, the the uh, uh, Quadrail series is five books. That's finished. Um, the uh, Sybil's War was a trilogy. At the moment, the only, I've got two series going. One with David Weber and Tom Hoke. Tom okay. Pope on the Manticore Ascendant series okay. pick, fits into David Weber's Honor Harrington universe. Right. And I'm also, I finally, a couple of years ago, came up with a sequel idea for a book I did 20-odd years ago, uh, The Icarus Hunt. Okay. It was very popular, standalone. People have been wanting a sequel. I, I, and up until basically the lockdown, I had no idea of 
something I could do. You don't want to go over the same territory twice. Right. Finally came up with an idea that would work. That book, The Icarus Plot, comes out in July from Bain Books, and I'm finishing up the third book in that series. Okay. So I've got two series going, um, but that's it for the moment. I, I try not to have endless series. Right. You wanna, when you, you when you're 70, you don't want to, you know, you don't even buy green bananas, as right. I said. <laughs> oh, it's true, because you just don't know, like, you know. Yeah. Um, well, very good. And so, and right now, we're, we have the two Thrawn trilogies. There's nothing more planned than that at this point. Until we... I would like to do more... I've got several ideas to pitch to Story Group. Story Group is up to their eyeballs in other stuff, and I think I submitted a couple of uh, proposals, November, possibly even late October, and we're still waiting for Story Group to say something. Uh, now, Story Group, are they the, tell me a little bit about Story them, Group. I'm not in the publishing world, right? Yeah. Story Group is the group at Lucasfilm okay. that vets everything. Uh, that's the movies, the TV shows, they keep track of comic books, uh, novels, etc., games. The idea is that if I'm developing something in a book that is close to or contradicts something that's coming out in a movie or a, a comic, they're the ones who know everything and can flag it. Okay. Uh, in one of my, one of the, uh, uh, the books, there was a character, they say, this is too close to a character's name in some other uh, other project. They didn't specify, can you change the name? Global search and replay, sure, easy to do, but I would never right. have known that right. without them. So they become kind of like the gatekeepers, as it sounds terrible, but they become the people that are just making sure everything lies up. Well, librarians, they don't, yeah, I like that they don't have to be listened to. Right. Uh, apparently, the movie makers get to do whatever they want to. <laughs> We novelists, and then, and then they got to figure it out, <laughs> and then they've got to kind of spackle it, whatever. Uh, but us novelists have to toe the line to them. And frankly, I'm glad. I would rather have somebody looking over my shoulder, checking to make sure I'm not contradicting something else. Plus, the fact that when you've got one or two story group people reading it, that's another pair of eyes and good brain to look for any logical glitches, any internal you know, consistency problems. And the more of those I get, the better the book turns oh, out. Oh, so between me, Del Rey's editor, uh, the Lucasfilm book editor, Jen Heddle, and Story Group, we have a lot of good brains focusing good on anything I write, yeah. and it, it makes for better books. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, that's fantastic. Does mean you have to wait for them to get free, though, to, to pass <laughs> on the proposal. Right, you have to wait a little <laughs> bit. Yeah, you just have but to it work has that to be in. As an author, that you don't need to keep track of everything yeah. on top of it because you know you have other people that are helping yeah. out with it. So. Yeah, I mean, two good examples in, in the book Thrawn. I, I used an old short story as the intro into that book, you know, modified it so uh, Eli Vanto was in it. And one of the comments came back. Uh, we don't have, they don't have TIE fighters this early on. So these will have to be the, the, the ones that were in the original story that I'd copied over. You can't have TIE fighters. However, TIE fighters show up about midway through your book and you can start introducing them then. <laughs> so little things like that. Uh, someone asked me at uh, a, a convention whether Tarkin was a Grand Moff, as I've got him in the book. And I can unequivocally say absolutely because Story Group has passed on this and they would have flagged that if he wasn't right. yet. That would have been a big deal. It would have been, but I know it, it, he's that's his position because Story Group would have caught it. Right. 
So uh, it, it's immensely freeing to not have to worry about running into those details. And again, since they're they're vetting everything, there are details I couldn't possibly know. Right. What's happening in comics? What's happening in games? Right. I don't know. Can't keep track of everything. Right? Yeah. What what is Filoni doing next? I don't know that either. Right. So. Right. Um, yeah, the story group is the is the gatekeeper librarian. It's, I like, it's libra- I like librarian, librarian, yeah. but I guess there's a little, little bit more of the librarian because they're also kind of making sure. There's some yes. accountability, I guess. There's yeah. accountability. Yeah. To mm-hmm. Well, if people want to find out what's going on beyond the con, because we'll air mm-hmm. this after the sure. con, where can they find out stuff about Timothy Zahn? I put information on conventions, publication, things of that sort on my Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash Timothy Zahn, very simple. Uh, up-to-date stuff, I don't comment on world events. This is this is all about what I'm doing right. convention-wise, book publishing-wise. Plenty of other places will give you commentary and news <laughs> and history. Mm-hmm. You know, this is where you come. This just is this is escaping the real world, going to the world of Zahn. And we uh, need that. We yeah. need that. So. Everybody else, other people can do that. You right. can find anything else you want. This right. is this is just, just me. Um, I don't often answer comments because I get so many and you know, messages I would not have time to write. But I do read everything that people put in on there. Good. So... Uh, so they will you, you're not whether, being you're not being ignored. It's right. just I don't have time to answer everything. Right. If you want us, if you wanted to be writing more books, you can't answer all your comments. And I figure that's mostly what people want at this point. And we're back. We hope you enjoyed our interview with Timothy Zahn. Always good to catch up with the Zahn. Um, this is the first con, by the way, that his wife was there that I met his wife. Oh, oh cool. Yeah, she was there along with Marjade. Marjade. Mm-hmm. Man, my teenage self is like drooled just a little <laughs> bit. Uh, Miles kept having to wipe drool from his mouth. This was really cool. <laughs> he embarrassed me. It, does, it it doesn't take much, does it, Miles? So, <laughs> Who said it? Not me. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't take much. Um, well, I believe that's about it. We hopefully will be back here in a few weeks, uh, and uh, I, I have a vacation coming up that might throw the wrench into it a little bit. But I know we have to do a shore leave uh, plug coming up with. Um, Mr. Mike Schilling. So I need to talk to him about that sometime. And, uh, but, uh, so we'll be back here in the upcoming weeks and hopefully we'll get the girls back on a little bit. So it's not just a guy's night, but, uh, anything else I got to say before we wrap up the show here? Or is that, are we good to go? I think we're good. All right. Well, uh, thank you for joining us. And miles, why don't you take us out of the show? All right. Till next time. Good night and good luck. We'll see ya. And go. Bolton.